Welcome to The Buscast, the show where we make fun of the news and talk about everything that's busting this week. Our guest today is award-winning filmmaker Josh Funk. We'll talk with Josh about his latest movie, Three Keys, and Nolan will show us clips from his favorite indie flick, Evil Cult. We'll also test Josh's knowledge about his favorite director, Tim Burton, and review an episode of SNL hosted by Sterling Brown. That's all coming up on this week's episode of The Buscast. Yesterday, tens of millions of people woke up to a message from Facebook. Yeah, if you got it, the note basically explained that one of your friends had let an app developer access your Facebook data and the Facebook data of all their other friends, too. Now, this was something Facebook allowed until 2015. People could let an app access their friends' information. The problem here was that the app developer sold the information to a company called Cambridge Analytica, and that sale was against Facebook's policy. All right, so news of all of this broke a couple weeks ago, and now Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg is going before Congress for two days of hearings. He took questions from senators yesterday, and today he goes before the House. The committees on the Judiciary and Commerce, Science, and Transportation will come to order. We welcome everyone to today's hearing on Facebook's social media privacy and the use and abuse of data. The issues we will consider range from data privacy and security to consumer protection and the Federal Trade Commission enforcement, touching on jurisdictions of these two committees. Mr. Zuckerberg, thank you for joining us. You were not subpoenaed today, so we're all very grateful for your testimony. You're welcome. Hi, everyone. I'm Mark. You can call me Mark. It's really no problem. You can make an opening statement, Mr. Zuckerberg. Thank you, Senator. I uh, have no opening statement and would like to just get this over with. Okay, then. I'll begin. Mr. Zuckerberg, we want to hear more, without delay, about what Facebook and other companies plan to do to take greater responsibility for what happens on their platforms. How will you protect users' data? How will you inform users about the changes that you are making? And how do you intend to proactively stop harmful conduct instead of being forced to respond to it months or years later? Okay. I knew this was going to come up. Senator Grimbley, Facebook is not perfect. We're trying. We're trying real hard to make sure that our users are protected, but like I said at the beginning of all this, we're not perfect. I'm not asking if Facebook is perfect, Mr. Zuckerberg. It kind of sounds like it, Senator. What's that? Sorry. I'll rephrase for the record and be more specific. Senator Grimbley, your question implies that you think Facebook is perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Facebook isn't perfect either. I've got limited time. What liability should Facebook have when user data is stolen for political influence? (laughs) This incident with Cambridge Analytica could have been prevented if we had made a few adjustments to our application a few years earlier. So my answer is that we should certainly have liability for data breaches, but government regulation could actually contribute to privacy issues even further. Again, we're not perfect. The government isn't perfect. I'll agree with you there, Mr. Zuckerberg, but we're not gathering and making private data available. So you admit it. Government isn't perfect? That's not the point, Mr. Zuckerberg. Game over. I win. I have limited time, Mr. Zuckerberg. You just said you're not perfect. Well, neither are we. Boom. Nothing but net. 
Mr. Zuckerberg, I said that government isn't perfect. The question as to whether or not I am perfect or not was never up for discussion. Senator Grimbley, to imply that your level of perfection could actually reach a maximum is hashtag redonkulous. You're saying that you don't have bad breath sometimes? Or stinky armpits? We're here to talk about Facebook, not stinky armpits, Mr. Zuckerberg. I disagree. We're here to talk about our stinky armpits, Senator, because P.U. Talk about funky. What are we going to do about them? Mr. Zuckerberg has pulled the conversation into some kind of hygienic metaphor. I'll ask the committee to recognize the metaphor as a red herring to the discussion. We are here to discuss data privacy and consumer protection. From smelly armpits. From you, Mr. Zuckerberg. No way. My breath is fine. Here, smell. (sighs) Hmm, smells pretty good, actually. And my armpits are dry as the desert. Let's wrap this up, Mr. Zuckerberg. In the absence of federal regulations, the only way Facebook works for the betterment of society is with consumer trust and technology management. Oftentimes, technology folks like yourself think about what they can do and not about what they should do. Right. Well, I'm not perfect. Yes, we've established that. With my limited time, I'll say one more thing. Perfection is paramount to our country's security, and it can be achieved if the company evolves with the times and holds themselves accountable. Will you do that, Mr. Zuckerberg? My goal is for Facebook to have the best-smelling armpits. Are we going to reach that goal? I don't know. Okay. But probably not. I yield the floor to Senator Martin. Um, yeah, I like Facebook. I'm Actually, I'm actually pretty good to go here. I say we let this Poindexter get back to his computer and get to work, huh? Motion carries. Hashtag winning. Dab. Let the record show that Mr. Zuckerberg is dabbing for an unusual amount of time, even for a formal hearing such as this. Dab, dab, dab. Still dabbing. I like that. I set it up for me. But the world just dove right in Cause they got it for free I connected the world With the doomsday machine I never knew the Nazis come back And march in the streets We were just kids when we first signed up Not knowing what it was No one would give it up Cause we got it for free So Senator, take it slow Facebook is all I own All of those ISIS profiles I didn't make Baby, I'm Senators cushion on my chair, answering all these dumb questions. When you put me to the test, I laughed under my breath. But you heard it, grimly. You're not perfect tonight. Yeah, still dabbing.
Just watch me explode! We have to come up with this stuff. I've always been really curious. Where, where do you get your ideas from? What happens in the nightmares? They always start the same way. With three keys. Ultra dramatic. <laughs> that was awesome. Thanks. Uh, so, Josh Funk, welcome to the Buscast. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, um, we just got done watching the trailer for your newest film, Three Keys, which is a about fifteen minute long short film, which is kind of a would you describe it as a horror or what? What sort of genre would you place it in? Uh, I would probably call it a fantasy thriller, although it's technically horror, but nowadays it's probably not as bloody or scary as other horror films out there. So I I think of it more as a fantasy thriller. Yeah, they definitely had a a more distinct, like, um, emphasis on just suspense and just kind of like, what's going to happen? So is it, how much can we reveal without giving it away? Like, I don't want to give too much information uh, away. Just don't give away the, the stuff that happens at the end or that's revealed at the end. Okay, okay, for sure. The, um, if you don't know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. So it's a female actress played by your wife, I believe. Is that right? Uh, sister-in-law, actually. Sister-in-law, okay, okay. Yeah, um, my, uh, Bridget Funk. And um, I think when we started the film, she wasn't my sister-in-law, but it took three years to make, so she, <laughs> she uh, married my brother in between. So so she take, uh, it starts out, she's at the therapist um, who uh, I believe is played by like kind of a, a big actor who's who's uh, playing that character. Is that right? Uh, Robert Donnelly, he's he's amazing. His uh, his voice is just, I don't know, so rich and just he, he could he could do anything that you ask him to. Um, I, was, I don't know. I was just really happy with him. I saw him on another production that I was working on and I um, kind of wrote the part around around him nice and uh you said and so this this film basically she's going through as she's narrating what happens in her dreams it it goes into her dreams and she's she sees three different rooms that she has to choose to go in and and so the the movie kind of takes takes her through these three different rooms where all there's all kinds of crazy creatures and um just really uh creative visual art basically (laughs) waiting in every room um, that I Thank believe you. you designed all yourself, right, Josh? Uh, I designed pretty much everything, but I did work with a lot of great artists um, that had skills that I didn't have. So I would come up with some concept art and um, maybe have someone you know, fabricate a door. Uh, or actually, two doors were made by some great artists. Um, some puppets were made in the UK, and I made a lot of the puppets. Um, I don't know. It's just I worked with so many people on it, but it was it was a labor of love, and it was a lot of stop motion animation, a lot of practical effects mixed with 
you know, using the computer just to, to composite it all together. Nice. And uh, you said you started this three years ago. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, if you count writing it, you know, it was a three-year journey for this one. And this isn't your first rodeo. You've done music videos for people before. Like you did a really, um, really awesome one for a local band here. Uh, what's the band called again? I did two uh, two stop motion videos. Uh, one was for Michelin Embers, yep. and the other one was for Severance Package. And um, the reason it took three years to make this film is because I work as a freelance animator, and I was making the Severance Package video. Uh, and a bunch of other things in between. So I kind of, this is my personal project and I would have to put it on hold whenever I was working on something, but I tried to work on it every week. Nice. And uh, back back to the uh, Three Keys film for a second. I was, I was wondering as I was watching this uh, movie, is it, is it based on like your own dreams? Like are any of these sort of vivid representations of things you actually experienced while sleeping or uh, how did you come up with the concept? Well, a number of things. Um, when I was about six years old, um, my family, we had some family friends over and my mom was watching Entertainment Tonight and um, I ran out of our room to tell her something that was really important. I don't remember what it was. And I saw a glimpse of uh, Child's Play like maybe like 30 <laughs> seconds. And it was this, the, the clip where she's like, oh, Andy left his batteries on. And then he flips his head around and starts attacking her. And I was so traumatized. I was curled up in a ball on the couch. And I had I still have nightmares about Chucky. And uh, sometimes they're where he's trying to kill me. Sometimes I'm trying to kill him. Sometimes we're friends. And it's really, it's kind of how I deal with my problems in my sleep, depending on how I deal with him. And um so that was that was really the the basis of it is that these reoccurring nightmares that I have. But then I, when I knew that I wanted Bridget to be in the film, I interviewed her and I asked her what her fears were, and she told me how when she was a, a kid there was this clown doll and and I had her describe it to me and then I had it made. Nice. <laughs> I had the, the clown doll made in uh, by Czech puppet makers, and. Um, that way it was even more convincing and uh she was not so happy about that <laughs> <laughs> so she was she, like that's kind of the test like if she's ter- terrified of it then you you hit the mark pretty much yeah definitely yeah. nice and um how did you first get started with like designing visual art for films uh like how did you are y'all did you kind of just teach this stuff to yourself or did you study it somewhere or how how did you get started with all this yeah i, I i'm self-taught um, so I was, music was my passion from the time I was 12 until, um, uh, probably about 2008, 2009. And I just, I, I knew I was, I knew I was creative and I knew that, but I, but music, I just didn't, I liked the behind the scenes stuff and I was not having fun performing live. And, um, I decided one day just to like, I loved stop motion movies when I was a kid. I loved Tim Burton nightmare before Christmas. And, um, I just wanted to learn how to do a, to do a stop motion video. I was thinking maybe I would do a music video for myself or something, but I started on this project and then just kept researching it and just figured out how to do it. Um, I met a, uh, another filmmaker named Joe Bat when he was making a music video for me, and we became really good friends. And he's been a good resource, um, always teaching me things. And um, I don't know, I just kind of went for it. And then 
about three and a half years ago, I was working at a corporate job that I just, it was not a good for, fit for me. I didn't like it. And um, I just decided to just quit and follow my dreams and do anything I could creatively to make a living. And uh, so far, I'm still alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's been a, it's been a journey, but yeah, just like one thing led to another, and I just I don't know, I just absolutely love it, and um, I, I make these these personal films like Three Keys. Uh, I put them out into the world to film festivals, places, and then that leads to people hiring me for music videos or title sequences and just anything, uh, any random job I can get, and uh, yeah, I, like. Best decision I ever made is quitting my job. I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a lot of artistic talent, so I think it, it's it's going to work out for you, um, maybe Thank more you. so than other people. But uh, you know, speaking of music videos, so last night we were watching that, and and Cameron's girlfriend says to him, like, you got to get him to make you a music video because Cameron's got all this new music coming out. And uh, oh yeah, yeah. So Cameron, you better start. Yeah, coming out. Sweet. I, yeah, yeah I've, I've been putting songs out, you know, one at a time. And I was like, oh, man, I really need to do a cool music video. And we were watching music videos last night. But like uh, <laughs> before we were we were just kind of preparing ourselves to watch your, your movie. So we were just kind of goofing around on YouTube and we were watching music videos. And I was like, man, I really need like a cool music video. But you're probably like I mean, you're, uh, uh, you know, a professional, which means that I had to have to pay you for your time, and I don't have any money. <laughs> it, yeah, it takes it, it takes me about four or five months to make a three-minute music video on my own. Because um, yeah. I, so I, um, I kind of grew up uh, like MTV generation. Like music videos were like the best thing ever, and uh, like like some of my my favorite filmmaker, one of my favorite filmmakers is uh, Michelle Gondry, who did bunch of Foo Fighters, Bjork videos and things. So when I, when I approach a video, I always thinking like, like how can I make this cool? How can I make it, um, you know, as original as I can and, and something that's not expected. And it, and that leads me down. It just takes way too long. Like I'll, I'll think, Oh, this will take two months and it takes four or five months and I'm losing hair in the process. <laughs> stressing out. I, I remember, uh, kind of a similar story, a relevant story. When I was like 19, I, I was in college and I was obsessed with uh, a production company named Screaming Lobster who made like um, all the videos for like Tool and you know, all those like kind of cl- clay- claymation videos. And they worked, they worked with a bunch of cool bands, but um, I remember discovering them mainly through the band Tool. And I emailed... I thought- Sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, and Adam Jones is involved in it too, uh, in a in a big way. But I think he teamed up with his company because um, I emailed them and I was like, you know, I want to do what you guys do. That's like so cool. Like, what do you? What's your you know advice? And their their advice, they emailed me back and they're like, you know, just make sure that you just like become obsessed with your work. Like, you know, love love what you do, and and uh, you know, the rest will just kind of figure itself out and i just thought that was kind of cool advice to get it get at uh as a 19 year old yeah um that's cool that they wrote you back yeah but i never moved down to i mean they were based in la and i never moved down to la uh to kind of really pursue it but this leads me to my next question for you which is you know chico california is you know maybe not the most uh popular spot to be doing what you do um that type of career path so like my question is what do you find appealing about 
uh, doing this kind of work in a smaller city like Chico? And maybe what are some of the challenges working here versus like a bigger city like LA or San Francisco? Uh, I mean, the way that the world works now, you don't have to be in LA or New York. You could, but it, but it, you you know you just get more opportunities there just by the people you meet. So I, I don't I work with people around the country, um, and I get quotes requested from around the country from different bands. But uh, it's like it's not. Um, I don't know. I just like I like Chico, but I'm. You know, I, I would be willing to move if there's a, the right opportunity. Um, uh, Cameron knows this, but right now I'm I'm actually doing grad school in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and um, meeting so many awesome artists and filmmakers out there. And and you you instantly know just after being out there and meeting them that yeah, like maybe a, a bigger city there are some huge advantages. But I also think you could you can make amazing art wherever you are. And, um, and with film, you make it, you put it out into festivals and then you, you go to those festivals in those big cities and you meet people and, um, it's definitely possible. Nice. Well, uh, Cameron's, uh, just sent me a message that we got, uh, someone in chat who, who wants to share something. Cameron, you want to share what we got going on? Yeah, there? this, well, this is sort of interesting. There's the, uh, an old friend of the show in the chat, but I'm going to keep his name from you because uh, you might be able to guess who it is. But he apparently uh, got a copy of one of your driver's ed tests in 1998. Um, either Ooh. your, I think your mom passed, passed it to his mom so that he could pass the test using something that you aced back in 1998. Um, <laughs> Wait, who are we talking? Is this me or this is you? Who pa- this is you who pat? No, this is you, Josh, who passed the test in 1998. Oh, wow. And your moms are friends, and his mom wanted him to pass the test because apparently he failed a couple of times. <laughs> wow, I had no and, idea. Uh, My mom is a criminal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I had I didn't I don't know this story. This is the funniest thing ever. Well, he I said can't he, he said he, he said he could be misremembering it. Um, but it's, an old, it's an old it's an old pal of the show who's wondering now. Did you pass the test on the first try? The driver's ed test. Is this okay. uh, is this guy's no. is this no. guy's Cameron? Is this guy's username uh, not the cops sixty six? No. No, I think I failed it. Two the written test, yeah, two maybe two times. I, I wasn't test, that that actually that actually totally you know corroborates what he's saying here, which is that you failed yeah. a couple of times and then you aced it. And when you aced it, that must have been news amongst the sewing circle uh, <laughs> that, uh, that your moms had because they they exchanged the tests and um, and oh, one of so our funny. one of our fans actually passed the driver's ed test in 1998. Um, so because of my mom, that is that is hilarious. Yeah, you might. Yeah, that know. sounds right because I, I I think there was something to it too where like if you don't if you failed it three times in a row, you had to like take something over again. And like, it was really stressful. And I think I kept missing like something stupid too. Yeah. He says, it makes sense. He, uh, I got to study his failed test and, and then he got, got them all right. So he, uh, that's Dean Evans, by the way, who got your, uh, Oh, oh that's got, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's, that's cool. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, Hi, Dean. How's it going? <laughs> hey, I got a question. You're welcome, or I'll tell my mom you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I got a question for Dean. Like, what, is, what does it take to do a film premiere at Tinseltown? 
Yeah, good call, man. Because Dean, 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 uh, Dean runs the the theater pretty much down there, uh, the local Chico theater. So we'll have to, he'll, let, while he's thinking about that, I got a question for uh, one more question for um, Josh before we move on to the next segment. And um, my question is like, what are your next steps? Like, do you, you, uh, obviously, we mentioned the premiere is coming up April thirteenth and fourteenth at uh, the Museum of Northern California Art here in Chico. Yeah. Um, and then what sort of uh, film fests are you headed to, or what's what's kind of the next next steps with this film? Uh, right now, I'm submitting to as many film festivals as I can afford or get into, um, and film competitions. Uh, right now, I've already submitted to about 22, 23 of them around the country. Um, and then I'll go to the ones that are, you know, that are close to me that I can drive to. And then the really big ones, if I get in, I'm going to try to find a way to get there. Um, there, there it's, it's fun going to film festivals cause you meet people that, um, that are doing something similar and they're, you know, they're all at different levels of, of their career. And you realize that like everyone's the same, everyone's just trying to, you know, put their art out into the world. So it's, it's a good experience. Um, after that, uh, I mean, I'll probably have them in festivals for, uh, a year or longer and then i'm gonna start working on writing a feature film awesome and, oh, yeah. that's nice. exciting that's exciting uh i i also at some point i want to talk to dana hawking because i noticed he did the audio production for uh for the film and it sounded i mean the sound is so good i i, I want to pick his brain yeah how he, how he put that yeah together. he's he's great he's he's just obsessed with <laughs> sound design so uh it was fun. I kind of did just some real bare bones stuff and then I sent it to him and then I, I was just like, put, put like way too much stuff on there and then we could strip it away. And then I, uh, we really didn't strip much away. He just, he, he was so good at it. Cameron, you got some, some more uh, comments to share there. <laughs> yeah. Chat, um, chat rooms, chat rooms going off. Yeah. Well, there's somebody else in the chat and their name is May 3rd, 1947. And their comment was, you guys look like your girlfriends cheat on you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, thanks, May 3rd, for that that confidence booster. All right, well, now I think that's that's a perfect segue into our next next segment here, which is, um, I wanted to tell a story about and and show some clips. I met these indie filmmakers in Portland when Cameron and I were uh, traveling and playing music together up there, and they uh, gave us this DVD um, of their movie, their first movie. They worked on it for years, and so I wanted to share it with you, Josh, and with everyone else, because uh, I didn't watch it for a very long time. It just remained in the in the uh, plastic packaging, uh, but I eventually watched it. It's called Evil Cult, and it's uh, yeah. probably it's probably my favorite movie it's probably one of my f- favorite movies of all time now and here's i'd like to just kind of watch the trailer and then i have a few funny uh uh just short really short like uh clips to show from their outtakes which makes makes me like really want to make a movie someday so here here's evil cult <laughs> Buddy, what are you doing out here in the middle of nowhere? You need a lift? You know, a fellow like you all alone out here, 
get in some trouble. Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> Teddy Ruxpin has a, a very big role in that. Um, but yeah, so this movie is about this guy named Neil Stry- Stryker. He's a hard ass, and he, uh, you know, somehow um, goes to this like gets invited to this cult, and there's all this weird shit happens, and then he has to kill all these people. And I don't know. I don't. I, I, maybe what's not so important is what this movie is about. Is just that like. The fact that it took them years and years to put it together, and then they finally did it, and like the special effects are like pretty, pretty like you know admirable, and it's just a hilarious like you know horror movie. Um, I don't know. It just I really wanted to like just um, kind of give it a little shout out too, and and then maybe check out some of the outtakes here. Uh, so first one is introducing Neil Neil Stryker. Uh, at 5:48. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. Here it is. This is this is how bad this is how badass Neil Stryker is. One sec. Who are you? Neil Stryker. <laughs> Who are you? Neil Stryker. Fuck you. Okay. So that's that's the first clip, just kind of introducing him. Uh, the next one is introducing my favorite character. Uh, so at some point, he he goes into this like there's all these cages with like these people in them that they're called meltoids, people who have had their brains melted by the by the cult because they refuse to join the cult. And this guy's name is Winston. Dumb shit, it's you, you stupid shit stab. I'm not a stupid shit stab, you unbelievable cut fuck. I'm Winston P. Appleton. Winston, eh? Oh Cute name. Now what is it you wanted to show me? Come here, I'm gonna give you a kiss. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. I'm Winston P. Appleton. You jerk off. Jerk off, huh? Change jerk to Neil and off to strike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's great is that that actually made it, that, that line ended up making it into the movie. And then I promised just one last clip I have for you here, and then we'll move on. Uh... This is the best Winston P. Appleton moment. But this is my favorite guy from the entire movie. But And then we'll move on. All right, here we go. She calls melt <laughs> With mostly little old dentist tools he buys at Goodwill and occasionally some hangers that he used to use to abort just the best in these babies. <laughs> classic. Here's the real one, though. <laughs> Holy shit, there's no way I can keep in on that one. Holy shit! What? What the fuck is all this? This is... <laughs> Damn! Yeah, that's not it. It's the next one. And then we'll move on. <laughs> Holy shit! What? What the fuck is all this? This is my old high school. That was math. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So you met these guys in Portland? Is that 
Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Actually, the story so, of how we, how we met them is pretty funny, too. Cameron and I were playing a show. There's this girl named Michelle Weiland, who's the opening act. And apparently in, like, 2009, this was, like, the thing at the time. Like, all the bands in Portland had, like, interpretive dancers, like, dancing with them. And uh, or at least the two bands we played with while we were there. And one of the interpretive dancers was one of two twin brothers who um, make up the Taylor twins who uh, produce this, uh, produce all these movies together. Um, Cameron, are you on your phone right now? Yeah, I just wanted to tweet <laughs> those guys. I found uh, I found t- the tyrant of tw- or the at tyrant of time Twitter handle. Oh, which cool. is the Neil Stryker guys, and I figured I'd let them know that we were nice. chatting about them. Nice. Maybe they'll <laughs> look on oh, yeah. yeah, they. Uh, I don't know why. It just seemed like a, a nice little segue to kind of share with you, Josh, my, one of my favorite like indie filmmakers. Obviously, your stuff's uh, way more developed than what they got going there. But um, was that a feature film? Uh, or a short here's film? here's what I'm confused about. Like, what what? How would you define feature film? Like, what what makes something a feature film? Uh, time length. I think it's 84, 82 minutes or more or something. I got, some okay. random number. Um, I was good working question. on a feature and it had to be like a minimum of like a certain amount to get into festivals as a feature. Okay, cool. Um, um, I believe it is because it's pretty long. So I, I imagine that they, they try, you know, their goal is to hit that mark um, and then do Yeah, like, I feel like if you're at like, you know, 60 minutes, you should just try to get to 80 82 i gotta i can't remember what it is i think it's like 80 82 minutes because then uh yeah then you can get into some festivals a little bit or uh, some different festivals some bigger ones <laughs> okay well um uh I, I believe that it's time to get into our saturday Night live recap if you guys are ready yeah 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 okay. i had a couple of favorites okay. are we talking about specific ones or are we talking about the whole thing uh, we'll, we'll do both. We'll do both. Okay. Uh, like kind of a brief, you know, we'll talk about like generally talk about the whole thing and then go into some specific sketches. All right. But cool. here's the intro theme. You ready, Cam? Yeah. All right. Welcome to Celebrity Jeopardy. What are we even doing? And like, why? And like, don't. With your guest, Josh Funk. In a van down by the river. Swing. Feeding my hungry guys. Is that my older brother? Hey, bro. What's up, Beck? What's up, Ricky? All right. Well, this week, uh, we're kind of going back a little bit into the... A few weeks ago, um, we missed an episode because of our production schedule just doing every other week. Um, so we had to come back, interview this episode with Sterling Brown as the host. Um, I, had to lo- I had to look it up because I knew I recognized him from Black Panther. But he he's um, well, he's maybe better known for being in like a really successful TV show called This Is Us. Josh, you wa- do you watch This Is Us? I don't, but my wife was watching it, and I walked by and watched a few minutes, and I, it was the most depressing thing I'd ever seen in my <laughs> life. I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away, that like with the music, they had some like Coldplay-ish kind of music playing. I was like, oh, someone's going to die. And then yeah. sure enough, like five minutes later, someone died in a fire. Oh, God. And uh, 
Yeah, and I was like, "Is it like this every week?" She's like, eh, "Like every other week." Wow. <laughs> well, well uh, he's it's apparently a very popular show, and then um, he was also in Black Panther. He was the the villainous brother of the king. Um, but by the way, I'm curious: was he a villain, or did his like you know sort of mission and like manifesto like end up being sort of the righteous path at the end of the movie? Like, did you, did you see Black Panther, Josh? I no, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, but don't worry about spoiling it for me. I know the comic pretty well. Okay, I didn't see it either, but I agree. I think his mission was the righteous path at the end of the movie. All right, well, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> the The correct answer is yes, because but it was it was a good movie though, so I, I recommend checking it out. Um, and you can tell that this guy, um, uh, Sterling, is like a really great actor. Like he comes across as like just. Yeah. You, you really believe him. even in like these comedy sketches when he's like being dramatic. It's like, wow, this guy's good. Um, his uh, monologue. Yeah. You put it on mute. You would have thought, oh, what's going on on, on here? But it's because he, he was playing it so serious. And uh, but it was it was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did a great job. Like, um, I think it, it can be sometimes it can be tough for like dramatic actors to like have like really good comedic timing. Um, but he, I, I felt like. He did. He did a good job, and I don't know. But Josh, what did you think of like the entire episode overall? Like, I I thought it was I thought it was okay. I actually liked the second half a little bit more. I like the really weird <laughs> stuff that didn't wasn't topical and just was like the, the stuff that kind of kept escalating and getting weirder and weirder and funnier. Um, like, uh, I'm take some notes here. The uh, oh yeah, the the lady that wouldn't say the curse words in the script like that part was just so weird i loved it and the uh the shrek one was my favorite that was or and the nickelback. Oh, nice yeah shrek and nickelback those i, oh. I was watching i was like where is it where's it going where's it going? And, it, and it just it got better and better cameron has something to share i think from about the about those two particular sketches actually yeah, those are that. That was a very exciting moment because the next day, a friend of mine put on Facebook who writes for the show that he finally got some sketches on the show, and he mentioned that Shrek was his and Nickelback was his. So that's awesome. It was a it was a big celebration amongst everybody who knows him to finally see something. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's contributed, but like those are like his sketches. You know what I mean? That actually well, made it all the way on there. You could tell. I mean, he has his own writing voice because those they you know they did go together and they were just but they were just out there but i i like those a lot. <laughs> yeah man i was freaking out watching the nickelback one because it just got weirder and weirder yeah. and then he, eventually they cut to like this like open panoramic shot of like all six members of that sketch and they're just mm-hmm. rocking out to nickelback and that's a beautiful punchline because it's so unconventional the idea yeah. that the idea that you could be like, all right, and then we got to come back to this camera because the whole point of this sketch is how funny would it be to watch six people rock out to Nickelback where they're not <laughs> supposed to? Uh, and that's what it is. And I, it's a very interesting punchline to me. It's like, I don't know. It's a cool, cool idea. Yeah. That was Stephen Castillo, my boy. Back in the day, we used to hang out in Chicago. Now he's a New Yorker. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> well, the uh, the first sketch that I, I kind of picked some clips uh, with is for is the Family Feud. It seems like Family Feud always always kind of like lands a few like really good laugh out loud moments. But um, 
This one, this first clip, this first clip from a uh, Family Feud. It's it was interesting to me because um, Chris Chris Red is playing uh, Jordan Peele, and and like this is just another example. They've been doing this a couple times this season where they kind of break down the fourth wall with uh, Keenan Thompson a little bit, and like the joke becomes very much about how he's been on the show for a very long time. And so here's a moment that stood out to me. Uh, uh, highlighting that. All right, next, he just won best screenplay for Get Out. This is Jordan Peele. Congratulations, brother. Thank you very much, Steve. Oh, man, you are so funny, too. I loved you on Key and Peele. Well, sketch comedy is great, but at some point you have to move on, you know? You do? Yeah, um, after a few years, you just gotta do something more artistic, you know? How many years? <laughs> Are you okay, Steve? <clears throat> oh, who, who, me? Yeah, now I'm fine, player. Yeah, now I'm real good, I'm real good. Let's go over to the Oscar loser side. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, th- I love that. I love that that's kind of a running joke that he's, like, it, you know, totally, like, down to play into because... Um, yeah. Because... It's it's not even like it's a it's not like a like making fun of him like he's proud of to be there and proud yeah, yeah. and and like it, yeah they did that with Tim Meadows back in the day <laughs> oh yeah that's um, true because he would I, I I don't know if it was as obvious as as this one but yeah he was on there forever I, actually I wonder who's been on longer him or Tim Meadows good question I I remember but I do remember that being kind of a recurring joke with Tim Meadows too where um. Mike Myers came back and he was like doing this song and dance monologue and and he's he you know he's cruising through the backstage area runs into Tim Meadows and he's like oh my my friend Tim Meadows he's he's come back to to say hello to you know congratulate me on returning to the show uh, yeah. so what what Tim what are you doing these days he's like actually I still work here Mike <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like a guy who never graduated high school and yeah <laughs> yeah, stuck there. With it. yeah. Was, what a great job to. You know, yeah, if you could do it, do it. Yeah, and they and they always like sort of craft the jokes like in a way that's like, you know, like I remember one time they they were kind of uh, making a joke and Keenan, uh, they're like Keenan, why are you still here or something like that? And he's like he's like because I got kids to feed or something like that. And like, <laughs> yeah. you know, the jokes are always coming from a place of love and like you know n- not just like trying to diss him or anything. So I, I dig that. Yeah. Um, but that stood out to me and always makes me laugh. And then in the same sketch, um, the the other uh, laugh out loud moment for me was when they introduce Alex Moffat as Willem Dafoe, and he's oh, yeah. and he's just like perfectly creepy. Okay, so here here he is. Ooh, swampy. All right. Next, he's a best supporting actor nominee, and he kind of looks like the Joker without the makeup. This is Willem Dafoe. How you feeling, Willem? <laughs> totally relaxed. You sure? Yep. Just cooling out, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Just cooling out. That's a great line. Oh my god. Why is why is it, let me just get right back to that look right there. Okay. That's where it needs to be. Um oh, but yeah, I thought I thought that was just like you only had like that one line of the entire sketch, but it was for whatever reason like the funniest thing, funniest part to me. Um, so yeah, so yeah, he would make a 
great Joker. I mean, I know he was already in Spider-Man as a villain, but oh man, what a great Joker he'd be. I think you're right. He's such like a eccentric actor that he would probably put a very strange spin on it. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. Or at least, yeah, he would give uh, Heath Ledger a run for his money, and that's what they're—that's what every Joker is going to be compared to. That's why, yeah. like, yeah, man, like that's what they say is like genius. Whenever, like, you come along and do something, and everybody before you is like rendered obsolete, and everybody who's after you is rendered like, you know, a copycat. Basically, is yeah. when you've got that center spot everybody before you is like uh they don't it doesn't matter who did it before you and then anybody after you they have to do a whole different thing in order to be considered something incredible so they got to find somebody good to do the joker like like that <laughs> yeah just take a few years off come back to it yeah. have you guys seen, love Will and yeah. have you guys seen this video that's been going around where it's um what's his name from the room uh as the joker yeah uh, it's, uh, it's like so uh, yeah, it's like a they're promoting like a new Batman movie by you know like his audition tape as the Joker. It's pretty funny, but it's funny because like sometimes the headlines are like this this video will give you chills if uh, you know he he like he should one hundred one hundred percent be the Joker, but but it's you know it's not it's just kind of a joke. Like it's not like he's like actually doing a, a good job dramatically acting as him. Um, yeah. But uh, it's a funny video, though, so definitely worth checking out. Um, well, speaking of comic book uh, movies, um, this is the next sketch we're going to take a look at is um, another Keenan Keenan highlight, and this is this is uh, the parody of of Black Panther. Although you know what's weird is they they had him play um, Sterling Brown, they had him play a different character other than like his character in the movie. That seems like that would have maybe made more sense, um, but. But yeah, I guess he's playing um, the main character's dad in this, and then there. So since you guys haven't seen the movie, I guess I should explain. This is kind of like the afterlife, you know, sort of. Um, they do sort of these, this like kind of like hallucinogenic ritual of some kind where they bit, bury you in sand and all this stuff, and then like you go to this like afterlife place, and then they bring you back to life. And this is how you like connect with all your old ancestors. So this is. Uh, basically, the main character played by Chris Red connecting with all his old ancestors and meets uh, Keenan's uh, as a, a very distant relative. Nephew, we are all here. Every relative you have ever known. The royal bloodline stretching through all of time, even those who married into it. All right, who wants a burger? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be ready about two, three minutes now. Mbutu. T'Challa. Boy, I ain't seen you in a long time. What's happening? Hey, 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 Junior, you got to take the plate out your lip if you're going to go swimming. That's how you get the swamp mouth. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Love the hair. Oh, yeah, the hair is, the hair is beautiful. Um, but this, this sketch stood out to me because, you know, I, I've been meaning to watch this for a long time. Like, we kind of skipped this episode, so I didn't see it until recently, but... Um, when I saw like on social media and stuff that they did a Black Panther parody, I was like, I definitely want to see what direction they took this. And I was not expecting them to have this crazy like uncle who like apparently very recently passed away, and that's why he's joining them in the afterlife. Um, <laughs> it, what do you think about? I always think it's really weird when they have these amazing, amazingly shot blockbuster movies. Like like they did this with um, the guy that plays 
uh, Hawkeye and the Avengers, where like or Jeremy, what's his name, Jeremy? Uh, can't remember right now. Anyways, he but he comes he comes on and he plays his character that he played in the movie on the show, and it's so bizarre because he. <laughs> without the, the camera angles and the, the cinematography, it just makes everything look so stupid. I kind of felt that way with this uh, Black Panther ske- sketch where it was just, it just, it didn't, I don't know. It, it just seemed really ridiculous and the movie is so, looks so great. Yeah. Yeah. They did a pretty decent job of like his, uh, of recreating. I mean, like, uh, let me go to this so you can see what I'm seeing. But his shirt, like, I remember in the movie, like, his shirt, like, the design of that was so, like, immaculate. And, like, um, there's no way they could recreate that. But this is a pretty good pretty good effort, I have to say. Good job with those whoever st- yeah. stitched stitch that up. Um, so, and then the kind of the second clip I wanted to show from this is just basically uh, kind of a funny moment that, uh, that, like, reminded me of one of Keenan's previous... Uh, acting careers called remember the movie good burger oh yeah okay well here's the here's the, here's the good the good burger moment a little trash <laughs> <laughs> somebody have one of these burgers man Takana, come on no thank you come on man you don't never eat my cooking this here is lion's meat the good stuff check this here out nice <laughs> Yeah, that's still frozen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, and then these, oh, and then these guys that's are gonna. Weird. I I watched it on Hulu, and I don't I don't remember seeing that part on Hulu. Whoa! Wow. You know, I, was I wonder weird. if that's like a Disney because it's like a Disney song that oh that they're parodying. They may have cut that part out, or maybe I maybe I missed it, but I feel like I would have remembered that. You know, we did well, notice if it's um, on Hulu. I wonder if they have to pay royalties or whatever just for that little tiny, I mean, little yeah, tiny line. If you don't change the melody enough, yeah, yeah, that's then hilarious. It's, yeah, that, yeah, I, that would that actually makes makes everything way funnier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but here's copyright infringement. Yeah. It was it was funny to these guys too because watch watch them kind of break. <laughs> What is your concern? I am much troubled. Wakanda is on the verge of. But of course, Chris Red holds it together because he's a pro. This guy is amazing. He's a pro, and he's he's yeah. new. He's not allowed to break yet. Yeah, you can't. You <laughs> can't allowed to laugh. Can't break when you're SNL. new. Yeah, but he was Chris. Chris, yeah. I'm not allowed to laugh on SNL Red. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just got a text from my friend Dana Hawking. He's, oh, he's cool. watching us right now. We were just talking about you earlier. I don't know if you saw it. Yeah. But... Yeah, 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 Dana. We were uh, totally talking about you. I got to pick your brain about audio production because you slayed it in Three Keys. Um, I hope I hope uh, Josh hires you for the next movie too because you're freaking good. Oh yeah. Um, by the way, have you start uh, just quick segue back to the movie writing? Um, have you kind of like thought of a concept yet for the next movie or for the future film? Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's actually very different. It's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be a comedy that oh, nice. involves puppets and nice. uh, very big concepts. That's all I'm gonna say. It's it's gonna take a while, and it's gonna nice. be very <laughs> weird. Cool. Well, um, then we'll swing it right back into Saturday Night Live, where I want to uh, mention like a one of my favorite moments was from Weekend Update, where uh, here come the boys. Uh, the boys, yeah. boys, boys are back in town. 
You know, they just punish Eric. I love these guys, dude. These guys obviously share an office and just kill it all day and yeah. then finally get stuff on that totally rules like this. Yeah, they definitely seem to be a writing team because um, they, they both kind of came in the show around the same time. Is that right, Cam? Yeah, uh, they were both featured members. I think they're still considered featured, man. Like, maybe not, though. I don't know if they're a part of the, you know, consistent repertoire or whatever, but... All I know is that they came on around the same time, and now they've sort of learned how to jive really well together on the show. Well, here's just them coming onto the scene. (laughs) Thanks for having us, Colin. Eric, what do you say? Please, make yourself at home. (laughs) Close, bud, but uh, that's what you say when someone visits you. Okay. <laughs> um, so I don't know. They they I love just like I feel like no no amount they they punish Eric Trump pretty hard, but like there's I don't see, see a foresee a time when I'm gonna be like oh they're being too mean you know I I think just it just lands for me every time. Love it. Did they originate that kind of Eric being dumb thing or did, was that because I a lot of comedians use it now like Stephen Colbert and. Uh, Seth Myers, they, they're always doing that, but it, did it originate on SNL? That's the first time I saw it, man, to be honest with you. That's, yeah. that's a really good question, and yeah. that's the first time that I saw that Eric Trump is considered the dumb one was the classic, and it's, it's classic to me now since they've done it multiple times, and it made me laugh really hard like a couple of years ago, or a year ago when they started doing it, which is the the joke where... Uh, Donald introduces himself, Donald Trump Jr., but all of his background and just you know explains why he's like a real estate mogul and how much you know money he's made and how the success. And then when it comes time for Eric to introduce himself, he just says, "And I'm Eric." Oh yeah, like, yeah. The, the implication oh. is I'm the big failure of the, co- the well, entire it, oh, Trump I think, family. I think it came because he doesn't get Donald's name, so he's obviously you know, oh, not as good that, yeah, as yeah. Donald Jr. I think that, but it, I think it, it was SNL. And, uh, it's, but it's kind of, I wonder what he thinks about that. Cause everyone now says he's, he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I think he's an idiot. And I, I don't know anything about the guy. I don't know. Neither like, do I. Where did he go to college? What did he, what does he do? Yeah. Yeah. Does he we'll, read we'll books? To, we'll have to research. <laughs> that. I will make an, uh, sincere effort to research that before then, uh, then we revisit, revisit the next Trump brothers sketch because, I do feel intuitively like there is something behind this. Like, like um, there are like stories that uh, you know point to him being like a little bit more aloof compared to the rest of the family. In a similar way that like um, the youngest sister, Tina Trump or whatever, like she kind of gets kept out of the spotlight, and they made jokes about how like Trump is you know forgets about her and stuff like that because she just seems to be kind of downplayed in the family and there might be similar things going on with eric trump that kind of back that up but um regardless it's fun to laugh at anyone any anyone in the trump family so here's here's another uh uh like a highlight that um stood out to me because it's so funny that actually colin jost and michael chase start busting up too and you'll be able to hear them kind of in the background of this what do you have to say to the claim that the white house is now in chaos i i know it's played out Colin. (laughs) But fake news. I mean, you know, 
Our father has a little nickname for you members of the elitist liberal media. Goddamn Jews! No. <laughs> no. Hell no. Eric. Eric, that was awful, but no. That was a bad one, bud. <laughs> So both, both, uh, this reminds me of my, my, not the, what he said, but I have a three-year-old son and, you know, if you say, <laughs> if you're talking about anything at home, he'll just, he'll just tell anybody what you said. Like, yeah, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's pretty much what Eric Trump is according to this, his, the portrayal of him in these sketches is that he just yeah. has no filter. And, um, but I, I love that you can, at first in that clip, you can hear, kind of Michael Che laugh and then he laughs a second time and then at that point Colin Jost is like okay then I guess I get to laugh too and he he starts losing it too so <laughs> yeah. yeah that was just that was just a good moment from the show yeah. that kind of stood it, out it to felt me. like there was some improv there like whatever his last line was I think that's what really made him lose it yeah because he said like that's a bad one or he said something along those lines yeah hmm. yeah um, yeah, that's that's the one that they, I think the improv is probably what made Colin just bust up. Um, but our next clip is very um, interesting to me. This has been kind of something I've talked about with other friends about how where Saturday Night Live like consistently kind of falls short is in their musical performances. Like, and this is a great this is a great that uh, we can get maybe we can get Dana to chime in on this too because uh, basically the audio. Um, of their li- live music performances always seems like a little bit like uh, underwhelming. But then this particular moment during James Bay's James Bay, uh, his set was just like comical. So oh, I, I, I got to shout out David Newshots because David Newshots and I are the one, he, him and I are the ones who are always talking about how like Saturday Night Live music performances sound bad. Um, or and I think it's more of a recent thing. Like in the last ten years, they just kind of. So you're just it. talking about the sound mixed. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just, it's just not as good as it used to be. Like there's, I don't know what they're doing differently, but I was watching like clips of like Smashing Pumpkins and like, you know, all these like bands from the '90s, and the sound is just like big and like crushing and like, I don't know, just like they they must have had like really good engineers at the time, and now they don't put the money into that or something because. Check out this uh, basically guitar fail uh, that happens in the middle of James Bay's set. Okay, so oh wow, they 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 doctored that on Hulu. Really? What do you mean? Yeah, I I watched it. I remember thinking that that solo was like a little raw, but it yeah. wasn't off key when I was uh, watching on Hulu. Yeah. Oh my god, that's fascinating. If that's true, well, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I tried I tried watching the link you sent me, and then it it was down all of a sudden. So I had to go find it find it there. Yeah. Well, I I mean I found this on YouTube, so I don't know what the actual live performance was like, but um, I imagine it was the same, but like, 
I don't know. It's just the, the things happen like this on the show where like everything just sounds bad. Like, and this 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 moment stood out to me. Like, you know, I don't know if it's just how the guitar is mic'd or if this guy's just unaware of like what good guitar tone is. And also maybe I'm just being like overly harsh because I'm like a guitar nerd and and uh, no one else is really thinking twice about this. But that just was like seemed like uh, if I were a famous musician. A pretty embarrassing moment for me, like to have that happen, like on one of the, the biggest, you know, stages that are out there. Um. Anyways, moving along from that, I just wanted to uh, just visit. Normally, we don't talk very much about the uh, music performance, but that just really stood out to me as like a weird, a weird thing in the show. Yeah, I'm going to go back and watch it on Hulu because I think they. I think maybe they have like their raw mix and then they tweak it and you know, you can adjust notes uh, if it's isolated enough. Yeah. There's, there's software out there that does it like Melodyne, basically auto tune. And, and I think for me, it wasn't even so much uh, that it was like, it didn't seem pitchy to me. It just like, it's such, it was such a dry, like guitar tone that yeah, like it, it was like, okay, it's this moment to like put the guitar in the front of the mix but then like it's just like the notes aren't sustaining it just sounds bad it's just uh they just probably shouldn't have done it if unless they you know knew it was going to sound good anyways um now it's time to talk about the best sketch of the week okay moving on to the next promo uh let's get our next two wrestlers in there uh first step fellas you're gonna want to rock a quality frag okay we're talking cologne jost yeah it was tribal yet futuristic papyrus all right so this week uh Best sketch of the week goes once again to Moondog, uh, Kyle Mooney. <laughs> Moondog. <laughs> for, uh, nice. for the uh, rock versus rap um, sketch. <laughs> now, I, I, like, like I mentioned before, we didn't get a chance to watch this episode when it first came out. So naturally, we like kind of had to see all the spoilers and stuff first. And, you know, they, like, Saturday Night Live is pretty good about like getting all their sketches out on social media and stuff. And so... This one like immediately popped up and I like I couldn't resist I had to watch it. Um but uh but yeah, this is Kyle Mooney's kind of man on <laughs> man 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 on the street uh segment. Which he's His been character so great. This guy Chris Fitzpatrick or whatever, like yeah. this just bonehead high school kid who's like uh anti-establishment and you know, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's been he's been doing this character forever, but uh, real quick, let's just have him, you know, give him a chance to introduce himself. Here it is. What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Fitzpatrick, and sadly, today, many people can't seem to agree upon one of the most important issues that's tearing our country apart. What's better, rock music or rap? And so, <laughs> I love the little clip. Yeah. So mad but for- okay, yeah. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, the edit the, the, the way he edits this uh all these segments. I mean, I imagine it's him like in charge of all the editing or maybe his that other third guy from Good Neighbor, um Dave McCary probably is the yeah. one. Yeah. It's it's clearly from his mind though that he yeah. wants it to look this corny and cheesy and just lame and uh, so funny. Yeah, like like just bad like intentionally bad edits where like he's getting interrupted. Like- 
old technology. It looks like it's on like a mini DV yeah. uh, camcorder or something. Yeah. Stock footage of just like, of quote unquote, really cool stuff. Yeah. Like just yeah. explosions. Yeah. <laughs> like cars falling off cliffs and stuff. My, my favorite part of this was the, um, when he called it rum DNZ. Oh, yeah. He's, he's talking about, because I don't know, if, am I skipping ahead? Are you going to talk about that? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, though. We can talk about it twice. I don't know. Uh, just basically, because his whole, his whole argument of this is what's, you know, he's trying to prove that rock is better than, than rap. And then, he, like, he's never heard of the two coming together before. And, like, yeah. the one oh, guy. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was great. Um, well, actually, I have a little note here in my show notes that, uh, and you guys are probably going to hate this, but I wanted to genuinely discuss what do you like better, rock or rap? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. Uh, I like all music, but I, I was always in rock band, so I'm going to have to say rock. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, and then uh, Cameron, do you want to go next, and then I'll go last? I like rock music better than rap music. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I feel so punked by this sketch just by. I know. That. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's great because I I grew up listening to rock music and stuff, but surprisingly, for whatever reason, these days, you know it seems like rap music is what's made much more like mainstream and like popular with, at least with like the young people that I know these days. And, uh, in an effort to, for me to grow as a person, I'm like putting my old, trying to put my old biases aside of about, you know, preconceptions about different genres of music or whatever, like what, you know, my musical identity is. And actually these days I'm liking rap music. I find myself listening to rap music more often, which is really weird, but, um, but I want to say that. Yeah. I mean, everything, everything innovative now is, you know, hip hop. Yeah. Um, It, but yeah, it was weird when I was like 12, 13 years old, I started playing guitar and I, I remember, you know, you think it wasn't that, that long before that, that you had like Led Zeppelin, um, like like the bands of the 70s so i was like 95 is when i started playing and you, you, i was like yeah rock's gonna be like the music forever yeah it's just that's it you know yeah. well, of course you know it used to be this old music and now it's now it's rock and yeah it is kind of weird that it's not it's not the most popular music in the world anymore yeah. um, it's like i hope it doesn't eventually get so uh, isolated that it's like swing music or something but yeah <laughs> Well, uh, the next well, the next uh, clip to play here is actually a nice. He gives us Chris Fitzpatrick gives us a nice little history lesson on the two genres. First, a history lesson. Rock music was invented by Elvis Presley. It was made for all colors of people, but good rock music only started more recently with bands like Temporary <laughs> Flood, Worthy Escape, and my own band, Crippled Rejects, who are quickly becoming one of the top five bands. <laughs> We're quickly becoming the top five bands. Oh my god! Uh, by the way, can we just take a quick look at some of these other band names? Uh, <laughs> yeah, Faith Unleashed, <laughs> <laughs> Subverted Consciousness, <sighs> One Last Breath, Pain. A-W- pain spelt weird. Yeah, kind of like almost like Major Pain, 
from uh, back in the day, Damon Wayans. Oh, I love and that. No Breaks. No Breaks. That's a great band name. <laughs> they made the top eight. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, man. Anyways, the sketch moves on to uh, basically like, um, you know, he, he finds some people who are actually pro-rap. Uh, you know, at first he, it's kind of a biased uh, interview. He's only in, interviewing people who like rock and he's like, you know, just trying to really sell his case that rock is music is great and rap sucks or whatever. And then find some people who actually know what to say, but uh, and, and hear what they hear their thoughts. Rap music. Why do people like it? It's versatile. It's powerful. It's visceral. The beat is very enticing. It has a message that speaks to the youth. Just as I expected, no one had a single smart thing to say about rap. But out of nowhere, I had this crazy. <laughs> Look at him in front yeah. of the trash. She's just yeah. like, like how cool that is to, to be in front of trash like that. She's yeah. So yeah. confident. He's so great. I, I can't say enough about that guy, man. I could write like a book about Kyle Mooney and <laughs> why he's so great. Yeah. So, so then he has this revelation that, you know, what if you combine the two styles? Nobody's ever really combined the two together, rock and rap. Yeah, I guess like Run DMC back in the day? Rum DNZ. I searched it on the internet. It doesn't exist. This guy must have been on pills. I decided to put... <laughs> this guy uh, must have been on pills. Yeah. And... And then the sketch concludes with, on a happy note. With him finding uh, that he can, in fact combine rock and rap successfully to unite us all incredible and everyone agreed maybe now the world will be a better place because there's one thing that unites us all rock and rap (laughs) (laughs) and then you know you gotta have a you gotta have a shot of a semi running into a car at the end it's just it's just necessary Uh, (laughs) but yeah all in all you know, not not my favorite episode of Siren Live. I actually had kind of a little bit of a hard time digging up like the best moments, <laughs> um, but still pretty good. And and uh, I think that they might be having another cast member from Black Panther who's going to host soon. Or have you heard anything about that? Yeah, camp? somebody named Chad. I don't know. I can't remember who who he was, but I saw a promo for it recently. It was pretty funny. I think he might be the Chad, male. Chad Boswick. Yeah, I think he might be the male lead from the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so, so that that'll be good to see. Maybe they'll do some more Black Panther stuff. Did you know that that Black Panther's like set records as like the number one comic book movie of all time, like with box office sales or something like that, like past the Avengers. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So no, I didn't know that. Um. So yeah, it's a very popular movie. Uh, I. Personally, thought it was good, but like I don't, I don't really, I don't really like comic book movies that much anymore. Like, I feel like I saw X Men Two, and then ever since then, it's like been not really that as fun for me for some reason. But, um, you know, this this one this one was was good, I, I guess. But I feel like my my radar is like all broken on like determining what makes a good comic book movie these days. Um, check out Ant Man. I have seen Ant-Man and that was pretty good and I have seen Deadpool. So I have seen like the comedy, you know, take on uh comic book movies, but I want I want the comic book movies to be cool 
like I I don't want them. I don't need them to be funny or like a you know a parody or whatever. Like Dark Knight, like Dark Knight was amazing. You know, yeah. like that's kind of where the bar is for me. Like, can you make a really like psychologically interesting movie? You know, out of a comic book movie. Like, I, and I did like um, uh, I saw Perf- Doctor Strange. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, just very visually interesting and um, kind of a a different kind of story. Um, for like how he gets his powers or whatever. Anyways, this is not a comic book show. I can't can't go <laughs> off on a, too much of a tangent. But what we will do next is get into our um, uh, our trivia segment. Oh yeah, we got lots of questions here. Some uh, David S. Pumpkins in there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love that. David S. and the skeletons are part of it. Okay. So, um, are you ready for the trivia quiz, uh, Josh Funk? Yes. Yes, All right. I am. Here we go. Question number one. Oh, sorry. Question number one. Uh... By the way, all these questions are about um, uh, your favorite filmmaker, which is Tim Burton. Uh, yeah. Normally we do comedians, but we wanted to do it something about that's like relevant to like your art form. Um, so, question number one is: This composer has scored all of Tim Burton's films, with the exception of three. Is it A. Hans Zimmer, B. Danny Elfman, C. John Williams, or D. Tyler Perry? definitely not tyler perry <laughs> um, it's danny you sure elfman. oh i'm sure yeah <laughs> ding 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 it is danny elfman that's correct all right by the way there are there are no stakes for this uh this quiz we um just kind of got lazy and never got like a sponsor for uh season two of the show uh so it's just for fun which is even better cool Here's question number yeah. t- question number two. All right, question number two. What Tim Burton film featured all three of these actors, Jack Black, Natalie Portman, and Martin Short? Was it Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Mars Attacks, or Tyler Perry's Boo, A Medea Halloween? I'd love to see Tim Burton direct a Tyler Perry movie. But does a Tyler Perry movie do his own, or direct his own? Yes. That would be so cool. Uh, Tyler Perry's uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, yeah. Um, Mars Attacks. Yeah, that's correct. Oh. Ding, ding, ding. Two for two. Well, I love Mars Attacks. What's Yeah, that? it's kind of an underrated film. It had a... It was one of them. He was going to use stop motion animation in it, but then he switched over to CG. So the CG, it's it's kind of early CG. It's not the best, but it's still really funny. I didn't even realize that uh, that was a Tim Burton movie, but yeah, it's got so many like famous actors in it, They're, and they all die. Or like it seems like a lot of them just die. Yeah, I think so. Pierce Brosnan is, uh, just as the head uh, <laughs> with uh, Sarah. Was it Sarah or? Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh yeah, remember that part? Yeah, yeah, man. You know what's weird is I, I remember one specific moment in that movie where uh, there's a reporter 
and it's like you can't tell if it's a guy or a girl and he and he says to the press like at a press conference they're like do the martians have two sexes like we do and uh <laughs> it's just this funny like you can't ambiguous moment because like i don't know it just it kind of reads like a uh like a almost like a mel brooks moment or something like that like it's just kind of a yeah. fun, funny little thing all right uh question number three All right, Tim Burton wrote and produced A Nightmare Before Christmas, but did not direct. Who directed A Nightmare Before Christmas? Was it Henry Selleck, Carolyn Thompson, Wes Craven, or Tyler Perry? Uh, it's Henry Selleck. Yeah, what? Is that right? Okay. He, uh, he went on to direct Coraline and James and the Giant Peach. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hey, you know Henry Selleck is 11 letters? <laughs> what? We can always so count on... We have, this, we have this fan of the show, Dean, you know, your buddy yeah. from back in the day, who you helped, uh, you know, pass the driver's uh, ed test in 1998. Oh, yeah. And he's very, very keen on how, long, how, like, certain words will add up to 11 letters, and he can see it immediately, and he always points that out whenever something like that comes up on the like, show. Like, a, immediately? You just see it and you just know? He does it. I just, I don't know. I don't know if he if he counts up everything or if he just, like, I don't know. He'll see that's, something and immediately point out, that's got 11 letters. Like, that's the best superpower I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's freaking so cool. <laughs> it's very strange, man. He says, no, I just see it. He just, it, it, it doesn't look for it. It just, it probably pops out to him similarly to, like, I don't know, like, um, uh, just like a color or something like that that you really like, I guess. I don't know. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> you're three. You're three for three. There's two questions left. Let's see if we can go five for five. Question number four. Uh, this cool. Tim Burton directed film received four Golden Globe nominations. Was it Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Big Fish? James and the Giant Peach or Batman Returns. That's tricky. I I would think it. I would say Big Fish because that was an amazing movie. But I don't know. I'm just guessing on that one. Where's the Tyler Perry? <laughs> <laughs> or Ty, Batman Returns, Tyler Perry. Well, Dean thinks that it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, for if that matters. It could have been for visual effects or, or costume design, too, which is really hard to figure. So I don't know. I, I, I would think Big Fish, but it's probably one of the bigger movies. What are you going to go with? Big, I'll say Big Fish. Yeah, four for four, dude. Josh is killing it. Bingo. Nice. Yeah, it was Big Fish. Big Fish was nominated for four Golden Globes. Nominated. I don't know. if I guess it didn't win, so. Oh, it says received. Oh, it says received. Received nominations. Golden Globe. Yeah, received oh, oh, four Golden Globe nominations. So yeah, I, I don't read full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you are four for four. Here comes the final question. All right, uh, what was the first music video directed by Tim Burton? Was it "Thank You" by Alanis Morissette, "Paranoid Android" by Radiohead? Thriller by Michael Jackson or Bones by The Killers? Uh, if I remember right, he didn't actually direct music videos until 
much later. Uh, so I think it was Bones by the Killers. Yeah, wow. You got them all. Oh! Five five. I could have sworn that last one was going to stump you. Nice. But I guess, yeah, that wasn't a very well-crafted question because you, you could do I that. thought you were going to ask because I don't know the answer to this and I didn't have time to look it up, but uh, maybe you guys know. Was any former SNL cast member in a Tim Burton movie? Oh, that would have been a good mm. one. Because I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember the answer to that one. That's a good question. Um, former cast member of SNL in a Tim Burton movie. Well, um, Mars Attacks has got to have somebody who used to be in a Tim Burton or uh, it, who used to be on SNL, right? That Alec, movie's got so many people. Is Alec Baldwin in Mars Attacks? Well, Alec Baldwin's not an SNL cast member. Oh, yeah, is good he, point. Yeah, is he considered one now? This season? No. No? <laughs> they don't want to pay I, him? I don't think so, no. Well, they they definitely pay him. I mean, but I, not that. Yeah, I mean, I assume they pay him. Maybe they don't. <laughs> well, I'm sure they pay him, but I don't know if they'd have to pay him more if he was on every episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Alec Baldwin is in 11 letters. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known. He, nobody typed Alec Baldwin, so did he already know that? Uh, he just, no, yeah, he just heard Alec Baldwin. Nobody typed Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Wow. Oh, no, he saw it. He saw it on the question. So he just sees it up on the trivia. And then, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> well, you know what the music means. Do you guys know what the music means? Uh, yeah. It's, it's the end of the it's show. The reason I was trying to hear it, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was kind of fading in and out. Fading in and out, yeah. Okay. Well, uh... Josh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and um, I want to encourage everybody. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast or watching us live right now to go watch the film premiere, which I believe is at the Museum of Northern California Art, April thirteenth and fourteenth. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, and we're gonna have puppets and props from the movie on display because there's a lot of stop motion animation mixed with live action in the film. So you can see the see the puppets, um, watch the film. There's a short. Uh, special features of how we did some of the visual effects and then we'll have uh, a lot of the people involved in the film there to answer questions sweet awesome that's great well thanks again josh yeah thank you thanks again to our guest josh funk you can follow him on social media at this is mr funk and now here is your moment of bust yeah, still dabbing <laughs> The Buscast goes live every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Find us on the Twitch app or point your web browser to twitch.tv slash thebuscast. You can also find new episodes of our podcast on Fridays on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. If you liked the show, leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. If you're an Amazon Prime member, you can support the show for free by subscribing on Twitch. You can also follow us on Instagram at Buscast. This week's show featured voice acting from Kate Wright and Evan Schumann. Our theme music is The Reason I Don't Leave My House Anymore by The Red Robot. Tune in next time when our guest is Groundlings' main company player and the funniest guy I know, Kyle Kennedy. The Buscast is a Ford Brothers production. Thanks for listening.